I'm exhausted. Me too. What a weekend. That was uh, <laughs> lots done, lots of fun. And, and happy birthday to Trev. Oh, a couple of days ago now, as of time of recording. Oh, yes. So, there we go. Yes, a very big weekend. We love Marvel. We went to the Marvel exhibition. It was brilliant. Okay, we are not sponsored by it, but no. if, if you're in Brisbane, if you're in Brisbane, go, go. see that Marvel exhibition. If you love Go-Mart. Marvel, even if you like Marvel just a smidge, go and see it. Oh, so good. So good. I love you, Bucky. <laughs> Go put that out there. Go love my Bucky. Mm-hmm. And Bucky. Oh, oh, the Infinity Stones. I so oh. love the Infinity Stone I'll have the display. purple one. Oh, from Guardians. So that's mm, a good one. I love the purple one. I can't even remember what it's called, but it's pretty. The purple one. The purple one. The purple one. Yes. Not the one that was in Tesseract. Was it Tesseract? No. That was yeah, green. Tesseract. Tesseract. What was it? Tesseract. Oh no, no. Green know. was in oh, Doctor Strange's. Oh, far Amulet. Out. <laughs> I'm really good at this. You can mm-hmm. tell, can't you? <laughs> this, there's been so many of them. Oh gosh! But we are watching all the Marvel movies from Iron Man, original, all the way through. Even the Hulk. Um. Yeah. I, you know, I've never seen the Hulk with Edward Norton. Yeah, it's never seen it. It's not too bad. I'm scared anyway. of Mickey Rock though. He frightens me. Yeah, well, we don't worry about him until we get to Iron Man too. Okay. Okay. Yes. Bye. <laughs> on that note, we are doing a What the History podcast here, not doing a Marvel mm-hmm. um, talk. But yeah. I yeah. love Bucky. Have I told you how much I love Bucky? This is history, not pop culture. Bucky is history. Fictional pop culture oh, history. So <laughs> okay, I think we need to put the pause oh, in so we okay, can get going. Okay, Jesus Christ, it's gone on for two minutes. Hmm. Sorry, everyone, I just got a bit carried away there. What the? History, 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 history. Hello, and welcome to What the History, your fortnightly guide with bits of bizarre. Guided history by us, your tour guides of bizarre history bits. That has to be one of the messiest intros I've done within the past. Well, what episode are we up to? Number twenty. Number twenty. Woo! Yay to us! Yay to us! And come and sample the smorgasbord of history delights. There you go. That's better. That was much better. That was a bit more cleaner. Indeed. I don't know. I I think I got my podcast wires crossed. I think you're just a bit too tired at the minute. That could be it. (laughs) That could be it too. But we are here with two more bizarre bits of history for your What the History pleasure. Hello. Yes. So this will be be, uh, number 39 and 40 if you're actually counting down our bizarre history bits. It's been 40 bits of history after this podcast is done tonight. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty damn good. Yay us. Thank you. Okay, so. Thank you. I'm still waiting on my red Sir Tristan roses. <laughs> okay. Okay. Stop so. that. I'm never going to get my roses. <laughs> okay, Susie. So for to get us rolling on our 20th, 20th episode, what do you have for us? Okay. I've got something way, way, way back when. But yes, listen on. Okay, the Viking. Yay! The very word and image of a wild Norwegian Viking or Scandinavian 
or whatever, Northmen, Vikings struck fear into the hearts of people of the British Isles. Literature and records from the time tell us that they attacked undefended monasteries on the coasts, causing physical and sexual violence on villages and pillaging their homes and killing those who stood in their way. Now, the Viking raids began at the end of the 8th century AD with a large amount of Vikings liking the Isles so much, that's the British Isles, uh, that they settled in what is now known as the Hebrides, the Shetland Islands and the Orkney Islands in northern Scotland. Yay, Scotland! This colonisation began around the 830s, thereby these areas coming under Norwegian control. Enter Sigurd Eysteisen. Please forgive me for my pronunciation. Mighty effort. Mighty effort. Thank you. Um, who would become Earl Sigurd the Mighty? Not to be confused with Jocks the Mighty on Xena. Oh, God. Pop culture again. Sorry. Oh, my goodness. Um... <laughs> The first Earl of Orkney, but before that he was a forecastleman, which is a ship's crew member who looks after the upper deck at the front of a ship, in the Norwegian king Harold the Fairhair's conquest expedition of the Orkney Islands. The first trip into the Orkneys is called the Orkneyinga Saga, and it is said to have created the Earldom of the Orkneys. Now, I must point out that the saga was written 300 years after the event, so things might be a little incorrect, or maybe not correct at all, but I will continue. Harold the Fairhair made the Orkney Islands his base for dealing with renegade Vikings raiding Norway itself. Yes, Vikings attacking Vikings. Um, from this, he was able to conquer the Orkneys, the Shetland Islands, the Hebrides, and eventually the Isle of Man. On this trip, Ivar, the son of the Norwegian Earl Rognvald of Mora, was killed, and to compensate Earl Rognvald, he was given the Orkney and Shetland group of islands and the title of Jarl, the Norwegian version of Earl. The Earl had helped Harold the Fairhair unite Norway into one kingdom some years before, so Harold was most grateful to him. But Earl Rognvald did not want the Orkneys or the Shetlands. Oh and had his own earldom back in the mother country of Norway. So he decided to give the Orkneys and the Shetlands to his brother Sigurd, who became Earl Sigurd, first Earl of Orkney, and the first in 600 years of Viking Orkney rule. And luckily for Rognevald, Harold agreed with this. His extra title of The Mighty, other sources say The Powerful, would come later. The saga tells us that Sigurd's rule was wise and powerful, and with the help of a fellow Viking warlord, Thornstein the Red, with whom he had formed an alliance, began a campaign to control large parts of Scotland, and travelled south conquering all of the Cathanus and large parts of Argyle, Moray and Ross, a landmass roughly a third of Scotland. This is where Sigurd got another part of his name, the Mighty, by subjugating the Scots. Sigurd attempted and maintained a stronghold in Moray, which upset the ruler magistrate of Moray. Please um, forgive my pronunciation of this. Uh, Malbricht, who was a Scot. In true fashion of the day, Sigurd and Malbricht decided to meet up on the battlefield to settle their differences. It was decided that the men would take no more than 40 men to the battlefield, something Sigurd decided wouldn't be in his best interest, so he took 80, without the knowledge of Malbricht, who worked out that he had been betrayed when he saw Sigurd's men had two feet between each of them to make way for the second group of 40 soldiers. Malbricht told his men that they each needed to slay two of Sigurd's men in an attempt to even up the odds. 
Scott's bravery and brawn was no match for the amount of men Sigurd decided to bring along, and the Scots' army was slain, along with Malbricht. Sigurd beheaded Malbricht and displayed his head as a trophy on the horse's saddle, but Malbricht was not done with Sigurd yet. A feature of Malbricht was his very prominent buck teeth. So as Sigurd was riding along, elated that he had defeated his enemy, Malbrick's teeth scratched Sigurd's leg through his breeks. As a result, and of poor medical care at the time, the wound from Malbrick's teeth became inflamed and infected, which ended up killing Sigurd. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Some would call it karma. Some would call it divine justice. And I bet Malbrick would be laughing his head off if his head wasn't already separated from his body. <laughs> Sigurd was buried at... Oh, God, here was another one. Ekjald's Bucky. Sorry, guys. On the banks of the river Oikel, which the the exact area being unknown. The area of Earl Sigurd's burial place is now known as Cider Hall. I like the sound of that. Mm. Sigurd was succeeded by his son, Gotorm, who died after a few months, and another one of Rognval's sons, Hallard, was made Jarl. But he couldn't contain the pirate Vikings, who were raiding his area. Yeah, again, Vikings attacking Vikings. And he returned to Norway in disgrace. What the history, you Vikings? Dear, oh dear. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I, I think, yeah, I just I just love the revenge story. <laughs> yeah, just... just... You just imagine it. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, like... suddenly my legs are feeling a bit sore. Oh, yeah. there's a nice gaping wound there. Oh, look at your teeth, Malbrecht. Mm-hmm. It is like instant <laughs> karma for cheating in the battle and yeah. just, just uh, disregarding the the agreed terms. Yeah, I, I thought. Yep. Yeah. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, uh, I mean, what the <laughs> Given given hygiene at the time, I bet. I bet. Um, Oh, I'm going to have a go now. Malbricht. Malbricht, I, bet, I think. Oh, gosh. I bet his teeth were all yellow and mucky mm. as well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dear idea. Speaking of yellow. Yeah, see what you did there. I had to do something. That was good. Now, before I start this, I want to assure everyone that I am not obsessed with Strange Wars. Oh, I haven't shit. done any for a while, <laughs> but I'm not obsessed with them. And look, this topic... <laughs> I mean, is it your fourth one? Well, not really. This topic is more about the knock-on effects of a conflict rather than the conflict itself, okay? (laughs) If anything, this is about people of different nations working together to deal with a problem. Yay! Okay? So, back in June of 1967, a war broke out between Egypt and Israel. It was a very short war, quickly won by the Israelis and has since become known as the Six-Day War. However, during the conflict, the Egyptians were worried about the strategic importance of the Suez Canal, and sank a number of ships, blew up bridges, and blocked both ends to prevent the Israelis from making use of the canal. Now, this wouldn't have caused too much concern with the rest of the world. Most ships were avoiding the area due to the tensions between the two Middle Eastern countries, but when the canal got blocked, 15 ships were already making the journey and were forced to anchor in the widest part of the canal, known as the Great Bitter Lake, until the way out was clear, particularly after it it became known that sea mines were also in place enforcing the blockade. Ongoing conflict between Egypt and Israel meant the blockade remained well after the Six-Day War was over, and the constant blowing desert sand soon settled on the ships in the lake, giving rise to the name of the Yellow Fleet. 
The ships were not part of a single fleet, however, with vessels coming from Germany, Sweden, France, the United Kingdom, the United States, Poland, Bulgaria, and Czechoslovakia. As time passed, the sailors on board formed an alliance, and the Great Bitter Lake Association was born. (laughs) Sorry. I love this. The semi-stranded sailors definitely made the best of it, setting up their own impromptu post office, complete with yellow fleet stamps and postal markings, and in 1968, to celebrate the Summer Olympics, they had their own Bitter Lake Olympic Games. Oh, bless them. The crews competed in events including lifeboat races, on-deck soccer matches, archery, weightlifting, and fishing. There was even television coverage of the Games. The Polish crew won the Games, by the way, with four gold, four silver, and four bronze medals. Yay! As time passed, the crews did not remain on the ships. The ships were moved closer together to make ongoing maintenance easier, and the crews ended up being rotated until only skeleton crews remained to care for the vessels. So how long were these 15 ships trapped as a result of the Six-Day War? Try almost eight years. Oh, Oh, God. It wasn't until 1975 that Egypt and Israel finally tried for a diplomatic resolution of their issues and the canal was reopened. Only two of the ships, the Munsterland and Norwind, both from West Germany, were able to leave under their own power. And as such, sailed back to their home port in Hamburg in May of 1975, finally finishing a journey that had started eight years, three months, and five days prior. Yay! So, uh, next time you think your commute is taking a bit too long, or, or you're frustrated to be stuck in a traffic jam, remember the Yellow Fleet, stuck in an eight-year maritime gridlock in the Suez Canal, and that what the history can help you out of all sorts of situations. <laughs> Oh, God, when you first told me that, I just, it was absolutely incredulous. But, oh, I, just, I just really like this story. I, I love the Olympic Games thing. It was just yeah, brilliant. Yeah, bring them all together in the, you know, under the banner of friendship and sport. Yeah. Beautiful. And fishing. <laughs> yes, I know fishing is classified as a sport. Thank you. It's all good. <laughs> and... I get lynched. <laughs> And thank you so much for listening to the latest What the History podcast. And uh-huh. uh, if you want to know more about what we've discussed, there are references down in the podcast description below. Uh, and of course, you can also head to our homepage, wthpod.rufusproject.com, uh, for more information and all of our previous 19 episodes. Yay! It's all there for your listening pleasure, including a handy playlist that I added to make it a bit easier for everyone. And hopefully Trevor put a map in that I did when I did my podcast because obviously I had a bit too much time on my hands and I really wanted to see where Sigurd and Thornstein the Red travelled throughout Scotland. And it was actually, like I said, it was a third of Scotland, so it was a fair amount of land. And, yeah, so hopefully he'll put that in as well, because I did it really pretty, and there was there's little text boxes and things. And... Kind of have to now, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a work of art. Fair enough. <laughs> and... Took me all of half an hour to do. Excellent. <laughs> now, if you want more map tips or to get in touch with us for any reason... <laughs> You can, of course, <laughs> head to our homepage, wthpod.rufusproject.com. 
Oh, I can't talk You're about You're a numpty. WTH.RufusProject.com <laughs> again, and you can leave a comment below this very episode. You can find the What The History podcast on Facebook. You can search for at pod underscore what on Twitter, or use the hashtag WTHpod. It's actually turning into quite a good way to find us, I'm finding. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting found all sorts of places. We are. <laughs> You can even send us an email. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to... This is this. what happens when I'm overtired. Yes. Everything's really hilarious. Tired. <laughs> you can even send an email to us. Send that through to wthpod at rufusproject.com, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. We would. <laughs> we would. Absolutely. Indeed. <laughs> and so uh, if you have enjoyed this, please let people know... Pass the word around and we would, you know, the more the merrier. Join yeah, absolutely. in. We, we, you know, we welcome one and all. We do. We are. We also welcome cats and dogs and birds and, and guinea pigs. We do. And snakes. And yeah, I'll stop there. That's good. That's good. So. Because they need love too. <laughs> I thought you said you stopped. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop me. So, until next time, when we come back with two more bizarre bits of history to make you say, what what the history? history. (laughs) Bye. Good night, everyone. Oh, dear.